Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., although it's not snowing today. I think we're probably up in the high 50s. Today, my returning guest is David T-Rex Ferguson. You know him from the Bob Seska Show. Plus, he has his own podcast, and he's been on this podcast before. Let me give you a little bit of a warning before I get into my intro. I'm in a really bad mood, and it's, it's, it's pissing me off because I have to do my show, and I'm in a shitty mood. And I'm supposed to be a professional, but it's like my mood is just not good. And you'll hear why I explained to David what's going on. So you'll hear that. But I just want to kind of make sure you understand before you go into this show, understand that I'm under, I, like I'm, I'm overwhelmed right now. I've got a lot of overwhelming things going on and I'm just, I had a fucking shitty day yesterday and it, 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 it's all basically around COVID vaccines and a couple other things that are going on. But anyway, so just FYI, I think today I, I feel a little bit like uh, not my usual self. So before I get into my intro, I do want to say that I try to keep them in about three minutes. So let's go. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman run. I don't have corporate backers and I'm this close to using advertisers. You'll see it's coming up soon with a special announcement. If you enjoy today's show, (laughs) and I laugh, uh, take a look at the About page and check out some of my past guests. I've interviewed all kinds of political people as well as amazing actors. I used to be an actor. Today's show obviously is a little bit different, but I will say this. It's fucking me, so you're just getting me. If you like the show, please consider becoming a patron, and you can do that for any dollar amount. But here's the way my show works. I do two free shows on Mondays and Wednesdays, and then I do two patrons-only shows after those called What's Up with me, Kimberly Johnson. Today, David is doing it with me, so I'm not all by myself. But usually I do those shows talking about anything I want. Whatever it is, I just talk about it. If you want to hear those shows, you got to be a $5 patron. So $4 or less is all about listening to the free shows and supporting the show and maybe occasionally getting a patrons-only show that I put for just starting at $1. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get everything I do. Eventually, I'm going to add shows just for patrons that have no advertisements and no intros. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see all the tiers. You can sign up. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I always include my email address, and you can use that for PayPal. For everyone who does that, thank you, by the way. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, the Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please give me a rating. And if you like the show, please give me a review. I would really, really appreciate it. All right. Now, please enjoy my conversation with David T. Rex Ferguson. Welcome back to the show, David. Hey, how are you? I'm in a really fucking bad mood. (laughs) And I laugh, but I'm in a bad mood (laughs) since yesterday. It's been a fucking hard time because, um, as everybody knows, my mom is... Okay, so back in November, she had hip surgery. The other hip is collapsing, and she's in pain. So she wants to get a COVID vaccination before she schedules her next surgery. And, of course, it's fucking impossible. And, yeah, you know, I mean, the only finger that I can point is to Trump. It's I, I want to scream at Larry Hogan, our governor, but really it's not his fault. It's uh, it's yeah, it's just something it's all that down to I mean, it really was they didn't lay out a plan. Yeah, exactly. 
And then he like I think that what he didn't buy enough vaccines or something, you know, that yeah. uh, hearing at the end of the year. So that's pissing me off. It's making me upset. And then I mean, I have a list well, of let things. Let me just insert this. Mm-hmm. I have two friends who have gone into the hospital. One was in a car accident and had to have oh my uh, God. Some surgery. And another friend just had a back procedure that she had been putting off and putting off and putting off. But both of them came and went, did the full hospital thing. Neither one is COVID positive. Uh, it went perfectly fine. They, I mean, the hospitals are really, really, really locked down in yeah. terms of infection control at this point. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you're, even if she doesn't get her vaccination before she goes in for her hip yeah, I know. she'll probably be fine because the hospital, at least, they know what they're doing when it comes to pathogens. Yes, I know. I mean, she had it happen. You know, I mean, she had the last surgery um, before, you know, obviously COVID mm-hmm. was going on. But it's just, it's just the, the thing is that she is, uh, what's the word? She's been alone and she's in pain. And, you know, when she, she moved to Maryland, and I think in, like, 2017, and so it took her a while. You know, she needed to get situated. There was a little bit of family here, m- actually, my family. Um, she does have a sister, but that sister is a Trump supporter. So, I mean, she saw her sister, and she saw a couple other people. But, I mean, my dad and my, my brother and my sister, you know, helped her a little bit, and it took her a while to get acclimated, and then Bob and I moved. And so, I, you know, she joined a writer's group, and was just starting to make friends, and then fucking COVID hit. So she doesn't have any friends. You know, I, I know uh, Sherry Jacobus is someone who actually she was going to be on the show, but she had to postpone uh, another long story. But um, I know that she sits out on her driveway and talks with her neighbors and stuff. And I, my mom's neighbors are super cool. They've been shoveling her walk when it's snowing. And so, but I mean, they're not friends. She doesn't have any friends here. And so it's like it's this really frustrating thing because she was just starting to, like, make friends. You know, she was making plans with people to have dinner and do this. And and then, you know, she does have a friend who lives in Ohio. And, of course, that friend isn't going to come down and visit. And and, and that's a really good friend that I know back in the day, you know, from L.A. This woman used to I've told the story about her. She's the one. She's so funny because she's very cute. She's very little. And she looks like this. I don't like a little fairy. And just this sweet kind of face, but she's got this strong ass voice. And my favorite story about her is that, and again, I've told it, but it makes me laugh. She called me one time. It was in the eighties. And she's like, hi, Kimberly, I need to speak to your mother. It's mucho importante. (laughs) It's like, that's how she talks. And it's like, she looks like this little pixie angel. (laughs) It's so funny. But she, she, she is like the kind of personality because my mom is a very strong kind of personality. And her friend Pam, the one who talks like that, is also strong. And so they they, they really get along because some people can't handle my mom's intensity. You know, I mean, she's not that she's hardcore, but I mean, you know, she's she's serious and she, uh, I don't know. She's like me. She's not for everybody. Well, she's I'm an alpha. She's got I'm an a alpha. strong flavor. So I get that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, and, and it's like, I'm not for everybody either, but still, it's like, it's just, ah. so anyway, I'm pissed off at that, and then, the other thing, and I'm not saying his name, so I'm not going to, but last year, there was this fucking big shot, married big shot, who was totally putting the moves on me, all of a sudden, I, you know, he follows me on Twitter, and I'm like, oh my god, X followed me, oh my god, and then, uh, all of a sudden, I think, I think, I don't remember 
if I said I probably didn't say anything. And then and then he messages me. It's not me. Peter Frampton. It's not Peter Frampton. Uh, okay, good. No, no, no. This guy's a political guy. But he he asked me to retweet something. So okay. I retweeted it, and then he's like, oh, that's really important to, to spread the word and this and that. Hey, uh, do you live in D.C.? And I was like, yeah, in the, in the area. No, you know, and then he's pushing, and he wants to meet for coffee, and he keeps pushing meeting for coffee, meeting for coffee, and I could tell what was going on. I knew what he was doing. I'm not a fucking idiot. He was very careful with the way he, he wrote everything, but if I were to show what he wrote to his wife, she would also understand what he was doing because, God forbid, you know, if Bob ever did that, and he wouldn't, but if he did and I saw that, I'd be like, I know I what totally you're doing. Wouldn't. I'm not an idiot. And so, you know, um, I'm afraid that you may have ended up with the guy who's just too fucking lazy to have an affair. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's like... There would be so much additional stress and worry. He's just like, no... But no, yeah, but no. it's like, so he was clearly looking for an affair. And I told him that I was engaged. And I think the last thing that he wrote was, good luck with that. <laughs> and that was it. Never heard from him again. And just the other day, I saw he posted that he he and somebody else big in the political world, a woman, are collaborating. And I'm <clears throat> almost positive that he didn't hit on her. And I can't really go into too many details as to why. But she's married. Everybody knows she's married. And uh, and it's like I, I would imagine that he's playing Mr. You know, Mr. Professional with her. But, you know, somebody like me who isn't me who it is. I want to know who it is. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. I swear. It just, just pisses me, me off. But I it's like tell, I, won't, I can't text right know, now because I'm I, I my phone is plugged in and I don't want to fucking I'm talking to you on the phone. I'll, I'll let you know. But I will check up later then. <laughs> I just oh man, gossip. But I know. It's like I don't like. I like to know things, but I don't necessarily like to spread things. Right. You know, um, just as someone who's been gossiped about all their life. Yeah. Like, but I just, you know, what I love is gossip about people I don't know. That is my favorite because <laughs> there's no real like. There was a. It's absolutely fabulous. At one point, Patsy <laughs> turns to Eddie and goes, "Do you want to hear some gossip about someone you don't know?" And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> Because that, that way you don't have to feel guilty about enjoying right. the misfortune about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm not a big gossiper either. You know, I try I try to uh, be cool about it because I don't, you know, I know people talk shit and everything. But it's just, you know, it's I'm just. I'm not a big gossiper, but I do sometimes. I mean, if people want me to keep something a secret, they need to fucking tell me. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've just been casually just blah 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 <laughs> conversation. And someone, like, it's someone in the room goes, <sighs> And I'm like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, well, the thing yeah. about it, this this guy, though, is he's such a big wig, and he, uh, he, it just makes me angry to know that it exists. Since yesterday I tweeted, and I vague tweeted about it, talking about Me Too is still on Twitter, and that some married big shot, you know, I, I basically told the story briefly. Right. And I wonder if he saw it, because I saw his tweet, and it prompted me. I was like, oh yeah, remember when he did that? And uh, so I and I don't think he would unfollow me. I know he would know I was talking about him, but I don't think he would unfollow me because that would look too obvious because he was very careful. You know, I mean, it's like in the Me Too movement, there's there's all there's so many shades and there's the obvious stuff. Yeah, there's the obvious stuff where um, somebody makes it very clear. I want sex, uh, you know, and he didn't promise I got me anything. Targeted by a John Weaver type. 
oh really and ages and ages ago yeah hmm. um and i wasn't having any of it because i'm just like <laughs> uh, yeah but like I, I i received some very carefully worded invitations mm-hmm. so i know the exact dance you're talking about yeah it's, it's like, like they're it's so like any, careful any bully or anyone who's acting on a power differential differential they know exactly where the line mm-hmm. is Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they do. And they and they are very, very careful about it. But the, the funny thing is, is if you were to show it to some like their significant other, their significant other would immediately know what they were doing. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I guess it's they just probably they work the same routine on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most men are not complicated creatures. They have one mode of approach. And they use it on every creature, you know. But before we go, speaking of men being uncom- uncomplicated creatures, um, <laughs> Your uh, interview with Joe Walsh, I have to just openly and blatantly kiss your butt. Oh. I thought you handled that so well. And I mean, really, about two thirds of the way through, he was just like, I give up. You know, he really <laughs> did kind of surrender. He's like, I've never thought about it that way. And now, um, yeah, he kept talking about you having him by the short hair. So, and I was like, Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe. Um, he just can't get past the life thing, you know, he, he, and I knew that would be, I knew that would be the thing we wouldn't be able to get. At least he was like, yeah, there needs to be some kind of compromise. There needs to be, but, but he's like, if if he's only just going to talk about life, then you can't win. You know, I mean, I, I, I did kind of win. You can't to me be pro quote unquote pro life and pro gun. I agree. It's like you, you got to pick a lane mm-hmm. because, like, and one he is, is a pro gun. machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very. But anyway, pro-gun. I thought, but I thought you handled it extremely well, and I thought you were very classy, and I thought you just you lit. I mean, it was it, you were just like you'd be like shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Well, this document actually, this you know, survey from two thousand nine of divorced women. You know, and it was just like, go, Kimberly, go. You got him. Finish him. Well, thank you, you. Know, and you know, I gotta say that I I had messaged Dr. Leah Torres. Now she's been on the show before, but. She's so cool and she's so calm and she was so great because she sent me a bunch of information, but she sent me a video of, of her having a debate with this Australian conservative. And the guy was, you know, he was also the life thing. He just couldn't, he could not get past life. And she was telling, and, and I used some of her words saying, well, well me, this is the thing that I always want to ask a quote unquote pro-lifer is, okay, so hypothetical situation, yeah. you are in a fraternity clinic, a fertility right. clinic that's burning down. There is on one counter a petri dish with five fertilized embryos in it. On the other side of the room is a two-year-old girl. You can only save one. Yeah, but see, I could already tell what his argument would be, and in, in that that is a hypothetical question, and I would choose the young girl. But in the case of a pregnancy, the government, he thinks the government's job is to protect that life period. So he's going to say that doesn't apply. Okay, but you guys are, you're like probably not crazy about warning labels on cigarettes or seatbelts or airbags, you know, or any of the other thing, life protecting measures, gun control. Uh, so like, why is it just people you can't see? That you want yeah, to exactly. I mean, I think, you know, the thing is, <laughs> I, I have to say, I do respect Joe Walsh in that. Uh, I mean, because we so we do disagree, but I do think that he has evolved and I think that he's really, I think that he's working on it. Like he's a work in progress. I, I don't think he'll ever be a Democrat, but I think that because, because 
Donald Trump did something to him, like it did so many other Americans. David Weissman, uh, who it used to be a MAGA and now is a, a Warren-supporting kind of Democrat, I know his his experience w- talking with Sarah Silverman kind of made him go, oh, wait a minute, and then it, it prompted him to look in other places. So Joe's a little older, and I think that he's set in his ways more, but I think that He'll remain a libertarian. I could hear the creaking. Yes, he made exactly. Brain function that had never <laughs> like done this math before. And he yes, was, I mean, and he, like I said, but he was just like, well, huh. Mm-hmm. So, for listeners, if you have not listened to the show, that show, please go back and listen because Kimberly really like it was like. <laughs> Olympic medal time. Oh, thank you. Well, I want to go back and say that, you know, Leah Torres had really given me a lot because of the way, I mean, I used some of the examples that she said, but more than that, I I kind of just took from her, her temperament and her arguments when he would throw some of these things because she's like, well, that's a philosophical argument. That's a phil, and she's so fucking calm. I would love if she were my ob ob. She well, I don't need a, I don't need an, a, a, I, of course I need a gynecologist, but I don't need one that delivers babies per se. You know what I mean? But if she were my my gynecologist, I would be so fucking happy because she's got this like calming, reasonable approach. She would make me feel so good. But oh well. I mean, I always wanted to be one of those people who's calming and who. You know, people, like, <laughs> One of the people who rarely talks, you know, and when they do, it's like super important and everybody stops to listen. No. But no, I, I enter every situation like a machine gun, like shooting, like a, shooting words like a machine gun shoots bullets. Oh, my God. Uh, but that's what we love about you. And I mean, I, I, I'm similar. I, I'm, I love to talk. And that's why I have a podcast. <laughs> and it's good to talk to you because you're always so entertaining. And see, you're making me laugh. When <laughs> Yesterday, I, I was also having a terrible day. It was like, th- I thought, I woke up this morning and I was like, today's going to be better. Today is a great day. And I'm telling myself, and then and then I get on the, the Maryland COVID vaccine site. And it's just all for, sh- like this morning, I think I got up at like seven. And I checked CVS and there was a available appointment in Easton, Maryland, which is like two and a half hours away. It's too fucking far. And that was it. That was the only opportunity for an appointment. And so like I I call my mom when, you know, I usually call her at the same time every day and I could just hear in her voice. She's so defeated. And it's like, it just crushes me. It just fucking crushes me, you know? And so I I keep, you know, I keep trying to fight for her and there's only so much. And then, and then there's some asshole on fucking Twitter goes, well, you're not looking in the right place. (laughs) It's like, Provides. Why don't I get my foot and let it look up your ass, <laughs> dickhead. Like, let's call your mom. We could cheer her up. <laughs> no, she is not in the mood. No? And anyway, I can't do uh, it. I can't do the three way. I didn't think you were in the mood either. Come on, irresistible. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm like and, but I, <laughs> I, you are. But I can't uh, do the three way on this particular way I'm doing it anyway. So, but no, yeah, she's just in a shitty either, mood. So. It's like I'm so looking forward to. All of this being over, everything, like her operations. The one thing I will say, and I think is, I think, because I do my podcast on one computer, although I have, you know, I ha- and, and it's just a straight up, um, what is it? Uh, it's a laptop, but it's, it's, not mm-hmm. a, it's not an i i thing. It's not an Apple. Mm-hmm. It's just a normal one. And so, uh, well, I should say normal, but you know what I mean. My mind is out of it today. I'm just going to say that. But... I think I can bring this when I do stay with her whenever she gets her operation I can bring cuz I didn't bring this computer the last time. So I think I think I'm going to be able to do that and do those podcasts better at her house because I am going to be 
starting with advertisers soon. And I was a little worried about that. But anyway, that's a whole nother subject. But let's 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 turn this conversation over to some some political stuff, because it when does Trump fucking speak at CPAC tomorrow? Oh, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think I think that I I do care, though, because I feel like um, they they believe the Q people believe he's going to be the president on March 4th. And mm-hmm. I think I'm sure they do. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then when you look at what people like Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, all these people are saying, John, uh, John Cornyn, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, Johnson, Ron Johnson. The way that they're behaving is, in my opinion, it's kind of it's indicating to me that there's going to be another violent outbreak, whether it's a coup, I don't know, but a violent outbreak. I think we're going to see something like that. Because they they think that he's going to become president on March fourth, and then it's clearly not going to happen. You know, I think that January sixth was a unique event. Mm-hmm. It was like nine eleven. It was a lucky punch in a place that we weren't looking, mm-hmm. and then the Pentagon intentionally dragged its feet in responding yeah. to it. But I, uh, I, you know, I just, I mean, maybe they're making noises, but I, I just, you know, I see this as a as a movement of diminishing returns. Trump is not coherent enough and state emotionally and mentally stable enough to mount anything meaningful from here. And he only got as far as he got because he got a big assist from Russia and the FBI mm-hmm. in 2016. Yeah. So I just, I, it's just noise and, uh, you know, off in the distance now. He doesn't have his direct line to America. He doesn't have Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have social media. And it's just, it's, you know, Twilight of the Gods or whatever at this point. It's just, it's all downhill. I mean, and he's going to probably get up whatever day he speaks at, at CPAC and, you know, rail and rattle and scream. And mm-hmm. we'll probably have to hear some of it. But I also, you know, I don't know if you heard me talking on uh, Bob's show about how my friends who uh, are still working in politics, the thing that they're hearing from people in the Republican Party is that Trump's brain has not – it was never great, mm-hmm. but since he had COVID, he is completely scrambled. Hmm. And Interesting. And he is, like, monomaniacally focused. Not, yeah, not surprising election. because I was, I was thinking – you know, that article came out not too long ago about the fact that he had COVID way worse than everybody knew, which I thought he was mm-hmm. dying. I really did think he was dying, so I kind of thought he had it bad. But anyway, um, if he had it that bad – then there's got to be some kind of uh, long-term effect, you know. I think, yeah. I think, and 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 I'm not even saying that to root for it per se. Just saying it that, you know, I would be, I would have that fear if You're it like, were. Come on, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Do your thing, COVID. No, but it's like uh, my brother had it, and he only had a mild case. But I worry about him. You know, I'm like, what's going to happen long term? Because even people who are yeah. asymptomatic are showing lung damage. So I, I don't know, you know, if Trump had it that bad, which it was bad. Uh, and the only thing that brought him, not back, but like made him able to function were all these drugs, but the drugs didn't cure. I think the drugs just covered mm-hmm. up. And so, you know, he's been able to use this manufactured state because of drugs. But well, then, yeah, like, I mean, what has it done to him? Like less and less and less public speaking and fewer and fewer public, yeah. you know, and the times he has been out in public, he's been pretty dotty. I mean, it's hard to yeah. tell old, you know, like pre-COVID Trump from post-COVID right. Trump because he was always kind of crazy and yeah. his brain didn't, was already broken. He didn't, you know, brain so good. Yeah, but, <laughs> he didn't brain so uh, good. I, I don't know. We'll see what he says, but I just, I feel like 
those people are so busy. I was listening to a, a an on the media broadcast the other day about deprogramming people who've fallen victim to hate groups. Uh, and it's something that they kind of have to do themselves or someone they really, really trust has to like talk them out of the mm-hmm. woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the guy was talking about the former skinhead and racist, like three percenter was talking about how exhausting it is mm-hmm. to hate all the time. I know, and, but yeah. also how, like how much energy those groups spend in fighting mm-hmm. because they're not cooperative people to begin <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah. And, you get them all heated up, on, and they really they turn on each other really fast. Hmm. It's like hyenas or, or piranha or something, you know. <laughs> well, that's a good uh, point, and that's something to feel good about because I have to say that when I'm in these, like, shitty moods, like, my first thought is, like, I look around and I see what's going on, and I know that there have been other civilizations, societies, whatever, that have overcome. I mean, we have. We overcame slavery, and, you know, uh, uh, Germany ha- overcame the Nazis, and, and so... It, it it's not to say that this is a permanent situation, but my fear, I guess, is that, and I don't want to live in fear because that's exhausting. But my fear but it's also the exact goal of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Why it, it is it's to keep you living in fear. Yeah, it's to it, make it you is. Afraid to go about, and that's like to me, that's the difference though between like COVID and terrorism. Like COVID is real right here, yeah. a threat, something that could hit you today in your, you know, daily, just going to the grocery store. But like terror, it's like, be wary of real things. But terrorism is like, they are trying to make you think they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, nature, I'm not so much. A, it's, warfare. The thing that I worry about is that. And I've, I've, I want to push this message over and over again is that, okay, first of all, there's a certain amount of messaging that I think that, okay, there's three things. There's the Democrats, there's, there are, there's cable news and, and the free press, and then there's the people. And I think that with the 24 hour news cycle, there has been a lot, uh, there's been a lot of irresponsibility in the press because they're relying more on the headlines that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And they're not always, they're not giving the same kind of coverage to the two different parties. And we all know that Republicans seem to get, it's like, let's be nice to the white supremacists. Let's be nice and let's not offend them. But then let's call out Biden for, you know, 100,000 people dead on on his watch, which is fucking stupid because it started with Trump. But to be fair, I mean, I really do feel like the media and I, you know, there are yawning gaps in the, you know, you used to be able to cram stuff. In. I mean, you know, with Trump, it was like everything, something was happening every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the Biden administration right now is running with ruthless competency. It is. They are plowing forward. They're not making drama. They're not leaking to the press. They're not doing all the things that gave us the, the Trump pact. 24-hour news cycle, which is one of the reasons that people are concentrating so hard on poor Tiger Woods' car wreck. Because, I mean, if that had happened six months ago, it would have just been a blip. Because we, there would have been another, you know, some, you know, uh, the attorney general would be caught like gouging Girl Scouts out of their cookie profits or something. You know, just it was something every single hour. Like, I mean, so. The news is like it's got to keep – I mean their whole goal is to pull eyeballs. Yeah. And I know that because I was in the news. Um, and you want people to read stories about climate change. You want people to read stories about missing women that aren't blonde. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
but it's like you're at the mercy, sadly, of the you know the click counter, mm-hmm. and people run like we were trying to cover Gamergate when it was mm-hmm. happening, and people just did not care. They ran from those stories like they were covered in dog shit. And this one friend of mine who was very vocal in all that and was like a big part of the pushback against the anti-feminist stuff. She was like, why aren't you guys telling people what's happening? I'm like, we're, we, you know, we write those stories and they sink. Mm-hmm. They just sink. Yeah. Nobody cares. People run from them. It's like you can't make people interested in something they're just not interested in. Yeah, absolutely. In. Like climate change. That You write an article about climate change. Nobody wants to read it. It, you know, so part of it is, you know, and it's it's a delicate tightrope to walk because what the public is interested in is not always in the public interest. Exactly. And the thing is, is that and when you cater to that and so what it does, though, is it sets up this uh, this expectation or lack of expectation. And when uh, on, on Monday I was telling my guest about the fact you know, I watched a mash episode where there was this racist American who was wounded and they saved his life but then they fucked with him and you know let him know that he got you know he was saved by the blood of a black man and they I think they painted him brown and they gave him fried chicken and watermelon for lunch just to mock him and frust and 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 and, and like go after him for being a racist and I feel like we to need socially a, sanction him yes yeah. and, and and I feel like we need more of that because what I see is and it happens all the time like for instance in a in a family situation or a family and friends situation there was this one particular time, and it was when Donald Trump was president, that somebody that I knew in this group situation started bitching about Obama. And the majority of people that were there were liberal, and nobody could, you know, nobody argued because we all knew if we argued, he, this person who brought it up would get so fucking pissed and, and, and turn it as if we started it. You know, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't bring anything up about Donald Trump because it would have just become this, you know, they can bring it up. They can bring it up and, and we'll leave them alone because we just don't want to fucking deal with the argument. But if we were to bring up something that we were upset about with Donald Trump or whoever, then all of a sudden they squeal so fucking loud. And it's like, so I feel like the press notices that and they, they don't, wanna, they don't want the, to the make right them squeal. The gaming the refs. Yes, they totally they are. are. But I don't think I mean, you've got to understand just the overall tone of media media credulity is much more skeptical this time around. I really I mean, I know that like there are, you know, embedded right wing assholes at the major news organizations that will steer coverage and, you know, we'll get these like scandals about, you know, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done mm-hmm. or they don't think that Champ, the German Shepherd, looks pretty enough. They should have, like, they should have <laughs> euthanized him, I guess, and gotten a more photogenic dog. I don't know what <laughs> these people want. But, like, so, uh, but, like, I mean, the you know, I hear people on the news calling out the Republicans for, you know, being racist. Yeah. And that wasn't happening 20 years ago. It was there. Right. But people weren't, ref- you know, and I, it's... And you got to keep thinking about the young people that are coming because they see all of that. I do. I have to remind myself of them because I, I do understand that the young people have a completely different perspective. I mean, so many of them grew up realizing they could be shot at school, which was something I never, ever, ever once thought of. Never once. You know, we had, we had uh, fire drills. That was it. You know, my mother 
And my father. I was paranoid about nuclear war, but I was just a morbid kid. So. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I mean, I saw the day after, and that was freakish. But, you know, my mother and, and my father were obviously going through those, th- the drills of the atomic bomb or whatever. But, uh, mm. you know, we it was just fire drill. Oh, an earthquake. In California, we had earthquake drills. So we would get under our desks. But outside of that, that was it. We didn't have any, like, we weren't concerned that, that mad is a shooters. malevolent human force coming to get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is the scariest thing for uh-huh. kids. It is, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they've been exposed to the, the ugly down, I mean, the ugly side of it. Yeah. Our country's weird gun addiction and fetish. And it is a weird, aberrant thing. I saw you talking about, like, I don't understand people who just, like, romanticize and love guns. Yeah. Um, and it is fetishized. It's the fet- It's the ones who have, like, a fetish with it. Because, And really, what sparked that was the photographs of Lauren Boebert and Don Jr. standing in front of guns. And then the thing is, is, like, what I see with them is they're the leaders and they're telling the cult to, you know, love your guns and be prepared and get ready to shoot. I know Chris Hayes did a story on it last night. Of course, that prompted me to think about it. And it's true. It's like the, the, the message coming through is that you be prepared to be violent if someone disagrees with you or, or doesn't, or doesn't want to follow your politics or whatever it is. And it's set, you know, it's setting up, but it's setting up a violent situation, but it's also for these rubes man because it's like i don't i don't care my father has guns he he doesn't use them anymore because he was in vietnam and it kind of triggers him i think it's the smell of gunpowder that triggered him and he just can't it's deal with really it really loud sound i mean i've it shot is. guns before and i i've you know i've been a part of a family that hunts and target shoots and but guns are kept in a locked cabin unloaded and not just worn on the hip so that when you pop off at somebody in traffic, you can just right. start shooting at them. Like the act of using a gun and they, you know, my dad was like, there are three things you should never drive with your feelings, a car, right. a credit card, and a loaded gun. Exactly. And the thing is, is um, like, I don't, I don't have a problem with people feeling like, you know, I really like the fact that we have the second amendment and that I can protect myself and all that. That's fine. I get that. But like to love the gun and to fetishize the gun. And I know it's really coming from a, a power perspective. The, these people this, feel they feel weak and powerless. Right. So they and feel they powerful with a gun, but they dick in their hand. <laughs> yeah. But it's <laughs> like, feel- but, but it makes it so it's, it's so disgusting that you would have this. And again, I know it always goes to the power, but it's like this, this love affair with the piece of, of, of metal. You know, it's like, and somebody had said, you know, I, I don't take pictures with my security system. You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. You right. know, you get a security for your system, system for your home, and you can really love, <coughs> excuse me, that it's available and that you've got it and everything. But like, fucking taking pictures with it and and acting like it's the best thing that ever happened. It's just so weird to me. And the thing well, is, part is of I why think they the, like it is because they're doing it to upset us. Yeah, they're trolling they're, us. They're like they want to make liberals cry. And yeah, so they want to make us like, afraid. I just understand that like every time that they're like putting a, ma- a gun with a clip in it on the shelf behind their head, it's another chance for it to go off and kill them. <laughs> so I'm just like play with your guns, you creeps. Just keep on doing They're it. So, you know? Well, and speaking of Don Jr. and his guns, I guess Cy Vance is, is investigating him. So we just found that out. 
And you know what? Maybe you know about this. I'm I tired of hearing about people being under the, uh, you know, investigate, investigate, investigate. I want some, I want some hearings. Yeah, I but you know what? I'm, I, I know they've been going I after. I wanted, I wanted to, but I think that in the in, in the case of the Trump family specifically, I think they really do need to be very careful, especially with Donald because he's a the president. They cannot fuck this up. There, every fucking I has to be dotted and T has to be crossed. Everything has to be. So, I mean, I'm hoping that, and obviously they've been probably investigating him since before today. You know, I'm sure in 2020 they were looking into things, but it, it, it's. Oh, and, and I just, then I've, I really, I'm really, I'm just so tired of him like floating out there and seeming impunity indefinitely. That's what makes me crazy. Like, yeah, but I mean, I think it's expected. And, and I want to say, you know, I, I get into these um, rabbit holes on YouTube and I happened, uh, something was suggested to me. And, it, and so I thought, I'm going to check this out. It's this woman who does tarot card readings for politics and she's totally up to date on what's going on. So I watched her last night. I think she's from like um, Australia or she has an Australian accent. I don't know where she lives, but she has like an Australian accent. So she was saying that first she asked about Donald Trump's taxes. If we were going to find out there was money laundering and then, and then insurrection, I think she asked about the insurrection and basically long story short, cause I was kind of out of it when I was listening, but for the taxes, yes, that she, she said what she saw in the cards for whatever it's worth. And I'm just throwing this out there for shits and giggles, but what she saw was that it take you know yes it's going to come out but there but it takes a while there there's a process to it and there are what was the word i can't remember the word and i'll think of it in a minute but the, oh challenges there's always challenges with every investigation so it's like i'm taking you know back to what you said going with this like with the grain of salt yeah we're getting these like oh don junior's being investigated but i was thinking about it last night when she was you know going through her stuff and i was thinking I mean, I remember when O.J. was, you know, when the trial of O.J. I mean, at the time, every day we had a morsel that we would all talk about, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, until it got to the end, which took, I don't know, two years or whatever it was. So, you know, it was just, it's, it's like it's going to take a while. But during the, you know, in that time, there will be challenges, but each time there's a morsel thrown out, that's what we're all going to glom onto for that minute until we get the next morsel. But I mean, I think that it'll be interesting because he's going to be and, and according to her, yes, there's going to be proof of of money laundering. And she didn't really come up with the time, but she thought that it might be at least investigations or something like that coming in the spring, March, April, May, June, something like that. So for again, for what I've never heard of this woman in my life. And, and, and I saw one thing where she had said that she had, you know, the, the cards had predicted something. And, you know, so grain of salt. And, and that's literally where my mind is, where I'm like, I'm so feeling desperate for action to happen that I'm, I'm just like willing to listen to some random person on the Internet that I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not putting all the stock into it. I'm just relaying the information and trying to be hopeful because, I, you know, I think that um, it's, you know, and then you had given it was funny. You had given me a reading the last time you were on the show. You said you were going to give me a tarot card reading. And that mm -hmm. you don't give negative ratings. And so you gave me one. And it's funny because there was one particular area, I'm not going to say, there was one particular area that I wanted to see if you were going to hit. Just something I, I've been thinking about and wanting and all that. And you hit it. So uh, I thought that was kind of cool. 
but you know, time. You know, gotta I wait. have such a hard time promoting myself. Like I've started a, a, a you know like a T Rex Facebook to row page, and mm-hmm. I just like I need to do some. I don't know what I need to do to tell people that it's. I don't know why to row cards work, but they do, and I'm good at it. And I, you know. It, and I'm a, like I'm a science and fact based person, right. but this is something that I learned when I was like in my early twenties, uh, and it I don't know why it works, but it really does. Well, I think so it, you thanks, know I, thanks I'm... for the good review. I like to you know, people <laughs> like to hear like oh I got it right. Yeah, you know you don't always. It's like I don't take it for granted, and it always baffles me when it does work. But right, you know I have done some readings of people who listen to the podcast and stuff, and um just. It's crazy. I've gotten actually better. Like it got better while I wasn't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Like it'd be like if you like stopped jogging for like several years and then just picked it up again and suddenly could run further than you did before. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm totally with you on the science. Like we have to rely on science and facts and that's where we make our decisions and we base our decisions. But then there's the other side of it. There's that side that I love to explore and think about, like this, either the supernatural or the occult or whatever you want to call it. I hate the word occult because it just makes it sound so um, silly. But, it, you know, it's just there's... See, know, now I love that word because the real meaning is hidden. Hmm. And in well, medicine, that's interesting. Like, yeah. you have... a occult fever, occult bleeding. It's like fever of an unknown, or or they call it idiopathic. So like to me, it's kind of a cool word, but yeah. But metaphysics, you could call it that. Yeah, metaphysics. Or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, I I think, and I've talked about that on my show so much, and um, I love to look at that side of it as well. But when it comes to basing your decisions, I think we need to stick with science and facts and not with what somebody who's psychic, because, you know, in my experience with real psychics who have gotten it out, like pulled shit out of their ass that they could have never known that I didn't even know. And they are right. It happened months before. And so, you know, I mean, the, the, one of the most interesting things that, that um, a psychic had said to me was right before it was like, I think it was in March or something, or I don't remember when the date was, but it was, it was before I started to do all of my online feminist women's advocacy stuff. I was just an author and she, she saw, she described it. She saw me as a Joan of Arc. She even went so far as to see a dog tag, like wearing dog tags. And when I used to, uh, when I was the <laughs> spokesperson for rock the slut vote, the woman who started rock the slut vote made dog tags and because it was the war on women and it was like in the trenches and fighting them in the trenches. And so wow, it's it, cool. Yeah, it was really cool that she like, I mean, and I had no idea that was coming. So I couldn't have like given her any kind of hint that she could have picked up on. I didn't know. And, and so I thought that was pretty cool. But um, but yeah, I just I, I took I, I listened to this woman yesterday and I thought, well, God, I hope she's right. I mean, I I, I know I'll probably watch another because she's the only person I've ever seen do political you know, like political tarot yeah, cards I've on Twitter. I've never really done that. Like, YouTube. tried to get outcomes of totally external stuff because right. to me, it's a very intimate ceremony mm-hmm. that takes place. And people are like, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. And it's like, my cards have never, ever, ever scared anyone. <laughs> I think movies and TV have over dramatized it. Like, it's more like a. I mean, you can tell people you had the experience. It's more like a counseling session. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a, it's not this like you know death. Well, and, and that go that would go for know. any any kind of astrologer too. It d- it really depends on the person who's delivering the message because the person who's delivering the message can make you scared. You know, they can they can mm-hmm. tell you uh, the way that they com- communicate 
You know, like I, I, I somebody told me about that. So the site. only time my cards have ever sent warnings to people, it's like, okay, you have a choice now. Right. You know, like, if you continue to do this this way, it won't work, and think bad things will happen. But you have an option. Like, yeah. it's always like, there's, you know, it's never just like, okay. A building is going to fall on you. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> You're right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, here, here's, what people expect, here's where I would know? have the problem. If somebody said, you're going to get into a, you know, you're, are, are you, you know, are you flying? Yes, I'm flying. Well, your plane is going to crash. Like, do I not take that flight? I mean, I feel like I, I would not want to base what I did on what somebody, what a psychic told me. But on the other hand, I would, that would be in the fucking back of my head the whole time. You know, I just I, I don't even know, like, how would you do, I don't see how you would predict that with tarot cards. It, it's not like that. You know, it's well, just yeah. I, I'm just saying like psychic energy or people who are psychic. Yeah. I mean, nobody ever said anything like that to me. But I just I always thought, you know, what if because I said that to Bob, I'm like, what if a psychic person who got things right, you know, for you that you trusted and this person is psychic? what if they told you that, you know, you're going to get on a plane and it was going to crash? Would you still get on that plane? And he said, yes. And so, um. I mean, especially if you have to, right? You know, I mean, if like it's a work situation or you feel you can't say no, you have to go. And um, but the thing is, is just for me, like I have this fucking superstitious bullshit. When I when I was a sales rep uh, for this and it only happened with this one company, I never had the superstitious shit with any other company. But I started selling industrial chemicals and it, w- mm-hmm. it, it turned out to be this pretty lucrative job and it was fun and I liked it. But it was always like every month you started at zero, even if you had, you know, clients that had ordered from you before, you didn't know if they were going to order this month. Maybe they needed something two months down the road. So every month started at zero and it was a little frightening at the first, you know, at the first start of the month. If you weren't in a good position by the end of the week, you were like, oh, shit. And so I was always like. If I did, if I had a good day and I sold a lot and I was wearing a particular pair of earrings, then I would, my mind would get stuck on wearing those earrings. And then I could go out and not sell a goddamn thing and still think that those earrings were going to help me. And, and my logical mind was like, you know Kimberly, you're a fucking idiot. It ties all back to being a hunter gatherer, like, and the associations that we make with pleasure and payoffs and little squirts mm-hmm. of dopamine. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're like, I felt good when I wore these earrings, so I'm going to wear them again. And it's just, it's a way oh. that we combat uncertainty. Yeah. As just a, but, as, but it was proven hominid. to me that it was bullshit and I would still buy into it, you know? And I guess it, it does fall down to that wanting to <laughs> not be afraid or something, but. When I worked at Old Navy back in the early 2000s, like the thing that they wanted us to do was to get people to start charge cards. That was like almost mm-hmm. yes, more I important know. than making sales. Yeah. And I could never get anybody interested. In that shit. It just <laughs> ne- but except on the days where I overslept and came in late. Really? Oh, that's so and funny. Suddenly, <laughs> everyone wants a credit card, and I would start racking them up. And I remember the manager coming over with a little headset mic one day saying, Ferguson, I'm going to need you to come in late every day this week. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to take you at your word. And he's like, don't. Um, but, like, it just, I was just, it was the weirdest thing. Only on the day that I was, like, super late, and I would hmm. get there just all scrambled and with my face all yeah. sideways. And people would be like, can I open a charge card? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, that's so funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I didn't necessarily – because I had other sales jobs after. And the weird thing was I worked for them in – I started working for them in 2005, left in 2007. Then I worked for them 
in Northern California in 2011 with a really awful, it was an awful experience. But I, the, the superstition followed me because before that I had, I had worked for an oil company, which was another awful experience. But um, I didn't have that feeling. Actually, probably the reason I didn't have that feeling is because nobody was buying anything. This, this oil company hired me, um, and I really didn't want to sell oil. But, but you know, it's, I, I was just jumping from sales job to sales job because the economy was starting to fall apart. And there yeah. was like, you know, obviously you had a few, few salespeople in there that were, were stellar. And there's always those stellar salespeople. Maybe they've got their client from forever. And maybe they've lost a lot of it, but they still have enough to keep going. But when you're new... And you're trying to build, so I had, you know, I had come from. This is the thing, though. I did, a, I did some research uh, in college on like superstitions and and behavior, like behavior that tries to manipulate, like witchcraft and stuff. And it's a response people have to danger and uncertainty, trying to create agency in a way that they don't feel like they have control. And uh, the study that I found really fascinating, there were these Pacific Islanders. I can't remember the name of their culture right now. I'm embarrassed about that. But they lived in like on, in an, uh, like a atoll, like a series of small islands that were the tops of volcanic mountains. And most of the time they had plenty of fish that they could eat in the shallow areas right around the islands. But in times when there weren't adequate supplies of fish and they had to go outside of those shallower areas into the deep ocean, mm-hmm. They had a whole set of rituals and a different set of blessed boats that they would use, and this mm-hmm. whole different set of like they were there was all, like a, all this magic and all this religion, or you know, what was their religion involved when they faced more danger? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would begin to appeal to the gods as a way of mitigating mm-hmm. their experience of that danger. Hmm. Um, so, and I think that's, you know, you were in a, a certain situation where you felt like you didn't have enough control, and so you would put on the damn earrings <laughs> because they gave you a sense of doing something better for yourself. Yeah, like the only the only power yeah. I thought, I mean, I knew it really wasn't power, but it, it was like something I created. It was a, it was a imagined power or something like that. But I don't but do I'll that anymore. You, if I wear a new item of clothing, pants, shirt, and it already doesn't feel that comfortable or great, and then something bad happens, it goes right. in the trash. Like, I'm just <laughs> never wearing it again. Because it will always remind me of that awful thing that happened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I think I'm pretty good with the with, with the uh, feeling that, you know, like having – I don't have superstition too much. But it was just weird how it, like, fully came out in that one job. And then it like went away. I, I got other jobs. I didn't have it. a contributor though to why the QAnon thing has exploded in the time of the coronavirus, because people don't feel like they have control. Yeah. And so they are trying to formulate things into a world pattern that makes sense to them. Yeah. Well, that make yeah that that definitely makes sense. And that brings them a certain sense of comfort because once you're in a conspiracy theory, every you know everything falls into a binary of in or out. And and I think people are really looking desperately for ways to affect Mm -hmm. a world that feels completely out of control. Yeah, well, I think that I think that's pretty much it. Right. I I feel right now I feel out of control. I feel um, not at ease. You know, I I know part part of the foundation of my feeling is that I cannot help my mother and it's just driving me fucking nuts but then there's all the other stuff, you know, all the other stuff that goes along with it, COVID, 
white supremacy, watching the Republicans running around lying. There's like absolutely no like direct effect you can have on that at the moment. I know, like, but but it. So. I I know it. I know I have no direct effect, but I think all of those things are making that they're causing me to feel so. Um, I don't know, whatever, out of sort, overwhelmed, out of sorts, just so frustrated, and then also, uh, you know, I I feel like concerned about the future. I feel concerned about the future of this country because I know that now each, I mean, it's it's always been this way, but especially now, the next election is so important. The next election after that is so important. It's two years away. I know, but it doesn't time from now. Like, just it's not that far. Be in the moment. (laughs) You know, one of the things that, like, in like twelve step programs that they hammer into you is, you know, the first step is saying, "I'm not in control." Like, I'm not. You know, I'm not in control. Like, there's something else controlling me now, Um, and. It's an acceptance thing that comes into daily life. I went to a meeting in Atlanta. I may have told you this story. It was an LGBTQ meeting, and I was just like – it was like six or seven months sober, and I was just bitching about shit, and people wouldn't act right. And this drag queen was like, y'all get the hoop, and they put this hula hoop down in the middle of the circle, and she's like, honey, you got to stand there. And I'm like standing there in the hula hoop. I'm like, now what? And she was like, everything outside that hoop right now is none of your goddamn business. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I think I think when and you're in I mean, politics, but it though, you know, your granular attention to these things that freak you out are not helping you in any way. No, but but I but no I look at it. Wait, but outcome. I look at it like that. I mean, part of what I do, and the reason I even do this podcast or or write anything or tweet anything, I mean, yeah, every once in a while I like to get my digs in. But for the bigger picture, I feel like I want to be able to have some kind of an effect, even if it's just little. Uh, you know, I and to contribute to the to contribute, and flow. so and and one of the things that I want to be able to convey, and it's like I feel like I'm just this tiny little voice in a sea of voices because that's what I am. But I want to convey that we need collectively to have better expectations for the country we live in. We just do because there's only like going back to what I said earlier. There's the Democrats, there's the press, and then there's us. And I think that it really needs to start with us because if we do not accept certain kinds of behaviors, if we shun the white supremacists, if we do not accept it, then then everything Absolutely, else will follow. You allow yourself to be off duty sometimes. Yeah, well you I know, do. Like, I do. It's like when you're trying to lose weight and you, you've been torturing yourself for months going, Oh God, I'm too fat, I'm too fat, I'm too fat and then like you, you like exercise and then for the rest of that day Every time the thought comes to you, you're like, fuck you, I exercise, get out, of my, get out of my brain, you know? And so it's like, you know, you did the podcast today. Yeah. We're doing it right now and you've done your part and you can like just sort of detach now and not let, you know, the white supremacists are coming to your house today. Yeah, but they um, did fucking, one of them, I don't know if he's a white supremacist, but some fucking crazy ass person called my cell phone and, uh, I don't know, left these ridiculous messages that I don't even understand, uh, He's clearly yeah, messed just up. Block, block, delete, block, delete, block, delete. Yeah, but like uh, but they do says, come. They do kind of do come, come to your house. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, then it's a hazard of being a woman online is that men are going to be dicks to you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I can I can handle I can handle when they're dicks to me online. I don't like it necessarily if they call my cell phone, but um, because they had to he had to you pay know, it's for not that. Not expensive to change your number. It's like no, I know, I know. But then and it's really refreshing. 
It is, but the thing <laughs> like, is, is that they can still. For a still... long time after that, like a year after that, you only hear from people who you've given your number to, and it's just so nice. I know, but I he got my number because he paid for it. So somebody could pay for my new number, and so I think like getting a new number doesn't really matter because because I got a call when I was in 2018. I, <laughs> oh my God, the right went after me, and uh, I it was awful. I was on the cover of Fox News. I was on the cover of everything. And um, some woman called me. I don't know. She got my phone number. And I know she paid for it. And she just called me to chew me out. But uh, but it's just kind of freakish, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I totally, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Kind of ideological combat is to, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to find the link and send you this interview of Bill Clinton and Chris Wallace. Um, and it was during the George Bush era but Chris Wallace brought his best anti-Clinton acts to grind and Bill just flayed him alive and like never raised his voice, mm-hmm. laughed the whole time. Like he was having the time of his life. It just effortlessly, it was like watching Serena Williams, like, you know, send back a volley, you know? And it's like, he was taking genuine pleasure and joy in the humor of it. And the humor, like the most powerful thing you can do, like we, you know, our initial impulse when arguing with anybody is to go in with the guns hot and just be like, fuck you, how can you say this? What's your problem? God damn it. Have you no sense of decency, sir? <laughs> when, you know, ages ago, uh, Glenn Greenwald, of all people, was like, man, I wish I was funny like you because there's no more powerful weapon in our arsenal than ridicule. Right. Well, I definitely use that. And and I think what's what's happening to me right now is I'm lo- just temporarily – but I'm losing that humor. I don't have humor right now because I because so many uh, there's so many different uh, pulls. There's the pull of worry for my my mom. There's the pull of worry for this. There's the pull of worry for that. And so what's happening is I'm I'm overwhelmed by it all. And my humor, even though it exists, it's taking a back seat. Usually though, I do express my frustration through humor. And that was a gift that I I got from my dad. You know, I have a certain dry sense of humor. And funnily yeah, enough, I was making jokes like as my heart attack happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like um, you you feel like okay, your humor is there, but sometimes you're beaten over the head with so many different things at once that it's just like my humor doesn't exist right now. Plus, I'm I'm having just a exa- I'm, totally I'm, get you. I'm exhausted I mean, I'm emotionally belittle. and physically exhausted. You know, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm trying to minimize t- that. I'm just trying to cheer you up. A no, little, I know. I <laughs> See, I'm like, Which, am, I, I, am I being toxically positive? <laughs> no, I I get it. I truly get it. And I I'm sure there's got to be other people out there who feel like I do. But it's like you know, I think there's like. It's like with a child, if you have a child that's going through something and you can't help them, I have a mom who's going through something and I can't help her. And it's just, uh, oh, uh no, I know about that. I do know. about. I know you do. And so it's, it's extremely frustrating to, you know, and for her, she's dealing with this now coming up on a year being alone, being in pain. And it's one thing after another, one thing after another. Then on top of all of that, I mean, and I hear all of the things that she's pissed off and going through, but she was, you know, she had gotten uh, solar panels for her house and it initially she had purchased them from a company that I think sold to Tesla and she explaining, you know, the problems that she has had with this, with Tesla have just been unbelievable. They are so, there's such a terrible company to deal with. So it's like, she's got, little things big things and and it's like oh my god i and i i feel so much for her 
And I've talked to some people who are like, just go see her. And it's like, no, we're not seeing each other. I don't want to risk getting her sick. And I don't want to risk getting sick myself because I'm the only person that she's got. So, you know, I mean, it's just just this whole fucking thing. And I know know I'm in a mood today and I'm, I'm in this like... It's I can't just pull out of it. I was going to come on and be like super depressing today. <laughs> no, um, it's me. <laughs> but like, cause I, you know, uh, like I said, I'm have a problem with the self promotion thing and I've got like all these things. I've got a story that just got rejected by a big science fiction magazine, which oh. it would have been a fucking miracle if I had gotten it on the first try. Yeah. Like that just never happens. And yet that rejection letter when it comes and it's so terse, it's just like not what we're looking for you know and you're like oh, okay <laughs> um well i'm sorry but, but you never know you never know what'll come up in the future yeah and it's a really good story i don't know if you've read it i sent it to bob no uh, i have and not it's kind of i'm like how can they resist it's really good and I, <laughs> but, I mean, it, but you know and i've got like i've been making this you know great music this year that is you know going pretty much among my circle of friends and that's kind of it but mm-hmm. But it's, you know, everyone's riding on the rims right now. Everyone is exhausted. Everyone is overwhelmed. Everyone misses their friends. Mm -hmm. Everyone misses being able to just go out and sit and Mm -hmm. have a cup of coffee at a cafe. No shit. I so just want to go to a restaurant. I just don't want to have to fucking make dinner again. (laughs) And it makes me crazy that there are people out there who are behaving as if everything is normal. Or just wearing their mask to the coffee shop and considering that to be enough. Yeah. Or not. Or not Um, wearing their mask. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. Social sanctioning has gotten pretty intense in Athens. Like, my town is pretty mask compliant. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you see someone without a mask, people are, like, staring them down and (laughs) glaring at them. And it's it's intense. I've never seen anybody without a mask here. I mean, the only time I ever see someone without a mask. you're in an urban environment. Yes, I am. People get it. Yeah, and, Uh, I mean, I'll see people. I think there, I think, I'm almost positive that Hogan said that it, that everyone has to wear one no matter where they are. As long as they go outside, you have to wear a mask. And a lot of people where I live, like in, in my neighborhood, I do see people walking around without a mask, but they're outside and they're not really around other people. But, I mean, right. as soon as you go into a store or something like that, absolutely, 100%. The, the worst thing I see are people who wear their masks below their nose, which fucking irritates me, but... Um, I know. Do you want to be like, if it's a dude, you're like, dude, do you just pull your underwear halfway up your balls and then leave it like with your dick hanging out? Like, do you not understand how that's supposed to work? It's so dumb. And I mean, I hate it. I hate wearing the mask. I hate it. But of course, I'm going to wear it. You know, although I will say this, this is good. And I can't remember if I if I shared this, but. It was not last week, but the week before, there was this girl who was ringing me up at the grocery store, and she was young, and she's like, I don't know if I'm going to get the vaccine. I I said something like, I can't wait till we don't have to wear masks anymore. And she's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get the vaccine. And I said, why? And she's like, well, they just, they they did it so quickly. I said, well, but you do realize they've been working on a coronavirus vaccine for a very long time before this ever came, before COVID ever happened. And I said, not only that, every, every scientist stopped working on everything else and only concentrated on this right, vaccine. Much. Every life sciences person on the fucking yeah. planet immediately uh, dropped what they were and doing. They had a bit of a heads up on this. it because the coronavirus has been around forever. It's just variants. So, um, you know, and then I started, I said, look, I said, you're going to do what you're going to do. I said, but I spend my time you know, in politics, and I, I, I'm reading the stories coming out about the vaccines, and I said, I get your fear, because we all have a little bit of, like, what's going to happen in 10 years, or, there, you know, is there going to be any kind of adverse effects in 10 years? I said, but 
you're dealing with a coronavirus that you, you know, uh, you might get it and it might be mild, but you might have permanent lung damage. You might get it and be asymptomatic and have permanent lung damage, or you might get dementia, or you might, you know, I started going off the list and she go, and she said, finally, at the end, she's like, I'm okay, you convinced me, I'm going to get it. And, and, <laughs> Please go away. You know, and I and I told Please her, stop talking to me, lady. <laughs> and that's what. But I told her, I said, look, I'm just some stranger that you don't know. I said, I would advise you to do your own research because what I'm telling you is true, but you don't know that it's oh, true. No, I'm just telling you. Do their own research now because they're going to go straight to YouTube. <laughs> and it's be so much well, actually, I did about- tell her to, to look up rep- reputable sites like uh, the New York Times or Washington Post or the Atlantic. And, you know, and, and I, I said, you have to be careful on where you get your news because you don't want just opinion. You want the scientists talk- talking to you, telling you what's going on. And, you know, she, she seemed like she was, uh, I don't know if she was just saying that. To, to make me happy but i mean as, she, as soon as she heard out heard that covid could have long-term effects because she didn't even know she, I mean, she was probably 17 mm-hmm. you know she didn't right. know and so i was like you know you, you gotta know and i said look i get it it's scary i don't want to get the i don't want to get the fucking flu vaccine every year but i get it you know so um i i just remember the last time i had the flu in 2008 oh my god i was so sick i was so sick i'll never yeah, get you know, over people it people say like when they get a regular winter cold they think it's the flu fever, no it isn't like, oh i've got the flu no you know really get the flu you think you're dying it just, yeah it's bad it's but so it's, fucking bad and i can't even imagine how much worse like hardcore covid is yeah oh i know we're well, still being so careful and i'm so bored and i'm so lonely I know. and i'm so broke yeah it's, 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 it's not easy. It's like, that's the thing. It's like mounting it's day after day. And I know we're, we're like, the light is at the end of the tunnel. And I just saw today that Moderna announced they're sending out a whole new batch of vaccines. Plus I heard Johnson and Johnson's one time dose is very effective. So, I mean, there are definitely positives, you know, lurking, but it's like, we're in, we're still in it. And, and we're all experiencing, especially the people who are trying to get vaccine appointments, and not being able to get them. It's just a reminder of what a fucking failure Donald Trump is. And he's just, you know, what, what he did is inexcusable. Oh, I know. Can you imagine if President Clinton had, I mean, she I would know. have had all those people in China on site. And <laughs> they would have been like, it would have probably been like SARS-1 in the Obama years, yeah. although it wasn't nearly as communicable. Right. But, I mean, we would have been wearing masks and washing yeah. our hands and locking down. And, I mean, it would have been relentlessly on message but you know i do think sometimes if it hadn't been for the pandemic that what's his face would have gotten reelected. i agree with you i agree with you a hundred percent i think he absolutely would have gotten reelected. and just the inertia or the momentum or whatever it is that holds you in office like mm-hmm. it's so on the side of the incumbent in mm-hmm. presidential races. yeah but yeah, I mean, really it's, I mean it's it's sad because you have half a million people who are dead including my father's cousin but um you know, I wouldn't wish that, but I, but you know, under the circumstances, I think it did lead to Biden's Biden getting elected. So I don't know. I guess try to find try to find that sunshine in the rainbow in in the storm. <laughs> Which, by the way, you know what I've been doing lately what? is just I've, I'm like whenever I start to get like too close to the edge of the sad thing, I just start cooking. Well, that's a, that's made, a good like, thing. That's a good thing. I've been baking bread, and I've baked a brown sugar pound cake, and then made a butterscotch Mm. glaze for it last night. Oh, my God. So good. Oh, my God. Well, Um, you know what I want to do? I want to – usually I do the What's Up with Kimberly, me. (laughs) 
Kimberly mm-hmm. Johnson, uh, segment all by myself. But I want you to come with me this time. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to end this show, which is, I think this show is not like my normal shows. And I kind of apologize for my shitty mood. I just don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going through it and you guys are just going through it with me. And, and, and I don't like to necessarily apologize for how I feel, but I feel like I'm putting the show out there. And then within that show just comes with, you know. If I'm in a shitty mood and I'm talking to a friend, which is you, I mean, you're not a, you're not like somebody I'm interviewing. And so so it's just going to come out. So I, it's so like, it's sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it's sorry, not sorry. We're keeping it real today on <laughs> Start Me Up podcast. All right, folks? So if you are gloomed out now and depressed, you better subscribe to the premium level so you can see the, hey, the after show where we're going to talk about cake. We're going to talk about food. Yeah, I want to talk about food because I've got a couple of food stories. But anyway, before we go, let everybody know where they can find you. I am at patreon.com slash the T-Rex report. That's T-H-E-T-R-E-X report. And I am on Bandcamp at astralsummer.bandcamp.com. We actually just released a lyric video for Sad Season, the song we played on the New Year's Eve show at Bob's. Yes. And um, which, by the way, was the only New Year's party I've ever actually enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun show. That was fun. I, I, I got all teary-eyed listening to Aww. it like the last five minutes when the you know the music starts up and we're all saying goodbye and yeah. wishing each other well. And you could like if you close your eyes, you can see us all getting our scarves and coats out <laughs> into the night. You know, it was just it was the best party. Uh, yeah, that was a fun time. That was yeah, that was really fun. Okay, well you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y, and you can also find my books on Amazon.com. I won't get into it, but you know I wrote books so. Thank you for listening. Now, if you're not a, uh, a member or if you're not a patron, you can hear David and I continue on What's Up for the $5 a month tier. So check it out and uh, see you over on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>